The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories from many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life, a program that gives you insight, inspiration, and intelligence in how to manage and master your life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my host, Leah Mattinson. Hey, Leah, how are you today? Hey, Howard. I am awesome, as usual, <laughs> and uh, really, really grateful to be doing this show today. Uh, it's about a topic that is really near and dear to my heart. So, um, But we're going to start out with, as usual, I want everyone to be thinking about what is it that they are really satisfied with in their life, and what are the things that they would like to change? So, Howard, let's hear a little anecdote of your week. <laughs> well, no, it's interesting. Excuse me. As you say that and we talk about writing things down and journaling, um, I've been working on um, some a, a book specifically uh, which really touches on my expertise, which is really behavior change. How do we really make that change? And this this concept of being aware, that's great. Uh, awareness is necessary, but it's not really sufficient to change. We know that. We know that knowledge is great, but it doesn't make people change. If knowledge made people change, we'd all be the perfect weight. You know, we don't have a ton of money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It just does not work that way um, because of the way the brain is organized. And so, thinking about these things and the awareness of these things is the first step. But the second step is, of course, translating them into action. And that's been very much on the, the top of my mind. And how do you translate that into action? Well, one of the ways of making that, it's got to become meaningful. It's got to emotionally resonate with you, right? You can write on a piece of paper, here's my financial goals, here are my career goals. And that's great. But it's really got to resonate in a meaningful and emotional way. How does that happen? It happens through experience. It happens, you know, hearing other legitimate stories. It happens seeing things, be, finding yourself in situations you hadn't imagined yourself being in. Um, the, the, the story that I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, one of these books uh, is really about financial planning. And one of the stories in this book, which is looking at using what I've just said about how we really learn to finances is understanding that um, this this planner who really understands about the neuroscience of learning was working with a 
um, sort of uh, a, a single parent mom, sort of lower middle class, not a lot of money, about what her goals were. And her goals were really to make sure that she can provide for her, particularly for her son growing up and what have you. And uh, as part of this thing, he took her on a walk through like the seedier part of town where there were homeless people (laughs) and, you know, really brought face to face with the notion that, oh my gosh, if I don't get my act together, this is what I'm going to be faced. And suddenly a concept caring for me and my son took on emotional resonance, and I think that's important. So that's a long-winded way of saying I really think that in the show what we try to do is not just get people think about um, these issues in their lives, but try to, to energize them through our own stories and examples. Yeah, and I think really great coaches and and uh, you know counselors do that in their, with their clients. So there's there's lots of examples I think right now in in on TV or there has been on reality TV of people in the finance field that's for sure that have a way of tapping in because that's a real problem that happens in people's lives that make them completely unable to do anything else because it's a basic need certainty and control and and so to be constantly thinking about, we talk about this quite often, is to be constantly thinking about how am I going to survive my next, you know, paycheck or the next month right. really right. doesn't open people up to the exciting possibilities of being a better human being. <laughs> it's more like right. thinking, right. holy, right. how am I going to pay my, you know, whatever the bill is, fill in the blank here. And especially with the extra added pressures of, like, in the state Thanksgiving coming up and Christmas and, you know, those, those sorts of stressors that people have in their, in their life when, they're, when finance is a problem are very real. The animation isn't in a good way. The animated feeling is feeling sick feeling worried, you know, losing sleep. And, and so that can lead to a whole other slew of problems, um, which and not, not good positive feelings. So once we capture a negative feeling, though, it doesn't just have to be in a positive state. In a negative state, we can also capture that feeling and do mm-hmm. something with it. Yeah, and, and, and very often I think fear, if you want to use that term, fear is... Mm-hmm arguably the biggest motivator, at least to get you to change, right, and come face-to-face with some realities, um, which is one of the reasons why people don't want to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. But we want to, in the show, though, we want to talk about um, self-esteem, confidence, and even happiness. I know you were wanting to address those issues today. Yes, absolutely. And what's the connection between you know, confidence and happiness? And is there any kind of, uh, you know, like evidence that a strong sense of self is linked with greater positivity? And then if you were able to figure that piece out, what would that actually mean for your bigger life and for the people that come into contact with you every single day? Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? You obviously have thought a lot about this topic, um, as have I, um, but I'm interested to know what you think that connection between self-esteem, happiness, success really is. Yeah, and I think it is. I think that they're highly correlated. I don't know how much scientific evidence there is to, you know, to say that science is a funny thing. However, <laughs> you yes, know, it is. I think it starts with kind of identifying what, first of all, is confidence and having an understanding of that. Uh, and that confidence is kind of the, the feeling that you can rely on someone or something or yourself that you can trust 
and have belief and faith and give credence to um, that thing or to yourself. And so it can be a very much, you have confidence in a company, for example, or you have confidence in your spouse. They also have self-confidence, which is that you know, self-assurance and self-possession, um, just the feeling fr- that um, arises from our own appreciation of our ability or qualities. And then there's things that I think get confused for confidence. And the two, two of the things that kind of stand out for me is arrogance, arrogance or hubris, which is kind mm-hmm. of having that unmerited self And then we have arrogance or hubris, which is kind of having that unmerited self-confidence, which is believing you know, something or someone is capable when they're not. And Howard, can you think of examples of people? Um, like, I think in the media, people can relate to that. Do you, can you think of examples of people who, who would be um, like just a good, a good role model of that? A good, a good role model of... Um, arrogance or hubris. Arrogance or hubris. Well, um, you know, certainly, <laughs> certainly thinking about our recent election, I think there were several candidates who uh, came across that way um, mm-hmm. and influenced the way uh, they were seen. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, I'm sure there are people on TV and in the media who make a career out of taking that position, whether they're really like that or not. I don't know, but it does tend to <laughs> does tend to you know get attention, which is right. the first rule, rule of media: is get the eyeballs, get the attention. Um, so, so yeah, unfortunately, we do see rather a lot of that, and and frankly, again things we've talked about many times on the show and I'll get on my healthy horse of, you know, I think therefore I'm wrong. People really do um, believe in themselves sometimes um, without really a lot of evidence for doing right. so. Which is, yeah. Which I think yeah. is the third, the third kind of confidence, which is overconfidence, which is that sort of excessive belief in succeeding without regard for failure. It's just, <laughs> this well, is going to uh, work out no matter what, you, you know, okay. and, and Jackass so, is a great example of that. <laughs> so, so let, let, but let's talk about that because I think that some people get confused about it or mm-hmm. uh, may have different views about it. You know, we hear about positive psychology. And positive psychology is you can do it no matter what. You know, you have it inside you no matter what. You just got to believe in it and put it. Is that false for some people do you think or you know where does that where does that sort of message fit into the confidence overconfidence continuum do you think it it's interesting i think i think it's uh, a lot false but there's also truth to it because the what's been you know obviously studied in neuroscience is that people who are olympians can literally visualize their activity their exercise their getting better and better and they do um, you know, so there is, there are people who can tweak what it is they're already doing through the use of visualization and programming their brain. I think the vast majority of those people um, think that, uh, you know, after the secret came out, that a vision board is good enough because that's right. where they stopped reading. <laughs> it just went, oh, as long as I make my vision board and look at that every day, then some miraculous thing is going to happen, like a Ferrari is going to be parked in my driveway. And then they're sad and confused when that doesn't happen. <laughs> Because <laughs> right. I know well, where I was. <laughs> right. Or, or the Ferrari turns out belonging to the FBI or somebody's yeah. coming to investigate them. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's right. 
<laughs> but I could have been just slightly overconfident in that one. <laughs> slightly. Yeah. So, well, I'm, I, yeah, go on. So just, if that's interesting, you bring up, what are your thoughts about that connection or the whole visualization piece? No, I th- again, I think those are useful tools. I think the question is, um, how much does it influence your sense of self? You know, for example, I can be quietly confident that I am going to achieve something, you know, let's say run a marathon, and I can be right. confident that I can do that, and I can train, I can visualize it. Um, but there's a difference between that and saying, oh, God, I'm going to beat the world record, you know, I'm great, you know, and, and I think sometimes the positive psychology movement gets confused over those two things, mm. you know, there's one to say, hey, believe in yourself, that's fine, uh, do you have to shout it from the rooftops, probably not, that's not really belief, um, perhaps that's bravado, um, and so I think that ma- message can get confused some of the time. And I think what's interesting about that point, Howard, is that there's the idea that confidence is this really boisterous, outgoing thing, and it's often like people think you got to be charismatic to have confidence, and the quiet confidence is just as convincing and sometimes even more so. Uh, and, and I see many people who I hold in high regard that have quiet confidence, and there's also the mixture of things of telling people what your goals are. Uh, you know, so that if they are people that help you to stay accountable to those goals, uh, then they can actually help you to grow in your own level of confidence and, and self-respect. You know, um, so I think that there is a place for having uh, some of the shout it from the rooftop and then the more quiet, confident, you don't need to tell everybody everything that you're doing also. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that the uh, shouting from the rooftop is necessary, neither do I think it necessarily gets in the way. Uh, I, I think the core issue is the belief that you have, that um, you have a vision, you have a goal, you know how you're going to get it, you're focused on it, and you believe you will do it. Um, and I think that's really the core, rather than necessarily how you might present that or not present it you know, to the outside world. I certainly agree that if you're working in a team, showing that confidence is very important, right? Right. So do you think that you can be happy without being confident? Ooh, interesting. Now you've introduced the concept of happiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and we probably should define that too. I mean, happiness mm-hmm. is not pleasure, correct? Um, it's not fleeting. It's much more uh Spiritual, uh, it, it, it's much more to do with the meaning of your life, I believe, and I think you would agree with that. So we're not talking about um, sort of passing pleasure. We're talking about something much deeper than that. And the question is, can you have that um, without having being self-confident? Well, I think part of that, part of happiness is feeling that whatever happens, um, Somehow, some way, you have hope that you will be able to resolve it. Um, and if that's confidence, uh, then yeah. I mean, we've got, we've got about 90 seconds before the break here, Leah. What would you say on that relationship between um, happiness and self-confidence? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to picture somebody that lacks self-confidence and 
you know, just, you know, what are the core internal elements of that person and what's going on for them internally when they, when they don't have self-confidence, usually it's because there's a gap, again, just looping back to that, the gap between the vision that they have for their lives in many different areas and the reality of the life that they're living. And then how can you be happy if there's these gaps between the vision and, and the reality? And so I think probably the answer is no, that you, that you can't be happy. Um, you, can be, you can feel happy for other people, perhaps. You can ha- access joy for other people's experience, but for your own experience, I, I think that would be a far reach. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying there, and I think that if you're talking about people without self-confidence, then I think that also means that they probably don't have hope either, um, in which case I think that would be indeed difficult. However, as we'll explore after the break, I I don't think it's a question of, you know, either you're very self-confident or you have none. I think there's a continuum there and it's a little more complicated than that. So after the break, we'll continue to explore the relationship between happiness, success, and self-confidence on the other side of Master Your Life. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at voiceamericaempowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. 
Welcome back to Master Your Life, the show that offers you insight, inspiration, and intelligence. Asks you, who are you and who do you want to be? Today, we're talking about the relationship between self-confidence, success, and happiness. And happiness is a concept that there's a lot of confusion around. Happiness isn't temporary pleasure, although I think in some ways, because the word is used like that, we confuse it with that. I think happiness is a much deeper sense of being connected to meaning and purpose. Um, And there's been some really interesting research on that about in terms of what makes people really happy. Uh, and, And very often it is connection with people, connection to purpose. There was an interesting study done called Happiness All Around the World that looked at happiness in different cultures. And and part of what they found were miserable millionaires and happy peasants. That, you know, materialism is not necessarily the path to happiness. Um, Of course, neither is financial stress, which, you know, having some money helps. um, But it's much more complicated than that. What do you think, Leah? Yeah, I think that where we left off the last um, segment, just talking about like how hope plays into you know the the whole concept of happiness and being hopeful is when you actually start to feel things again uh, and and just have that uh, emotional awakening and going oh it's like I could be excited about or I could see a solution to my current problem. So maybe the first sort of, or one of the, you know, constructs of happiness is understanding that you're unhappy <laughs> to begin with. It's mm, like well, being able true. to, you know, feel enough that you go, hmm, I just am not feeling very happy here. And then just as you'd said, it's identifying that there's hope or a way out. And so uh, uh, we might sit from a judgmental position and look at somebody else's life and go, boy, they could sure be a lot better, doing a lot better in X, Y, and Z. And really, they're only concerned about, you know, one, you know, single solitary thing. And, and so everyone's journey, I think, is their own journey of that kind of revealing what is their, you know, quest for virtue. What's, what's the quest that they're on in their, in their path? And so to, to kind of paint everybody with the same brush of uh, that everybody should weigh a certain weight or everybody should look a certain way, you know, which we certainly get fed a lot of in media, um, takes away people's uh, hope and, deal- and dealing with, you know, real-world problems that are maybe more important than that particular real-world problem. So that, so that even all the things that we're ingesting during the day of media, never mind food and all the other stuff, is it can erode how we feel about ourselves because we're evaluating ourselves against the standard that we can't do. (laughs) Right. And, and again, I think it's very, as you rightly say, very individualized. It's to do with what is your meaning, your vision, your purpose, and what is important to you. And, you know, for some people that may not be, uh, you know, the collection of a vast collection of material, shiny objects and other people might look at them and say boy they aren't doing very well um well they may be way happier because that's not what's important to them what's important to them might be feeling fulfilled in their professional lives or um being of service or all sorts of different things being a great dad being a great mom like a present like uh you know uh, available parent uh and i think also having wealth is not uh, having wealth and doing really great and being awesome in other areas of your life is also not mutually exclusive, which 
certainly we were taught when we were young is what's the saying, you know, better to be a better, something about a rich man passing through the eye of a needle or something. What's that saying? You must know it, Howard. It's a biblical one. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say what I think because I think I've misquoted, but I think it's something along the eyes. It's easier for a rich person to to find sort of what we're talking about than pass a camel through the eye uh, uh, of a needle. And, you know, in fairness, um, you know, I think in the days that those scriptures were written, Probably people with money uh, probably were a little more <laughs> unscrupulous or, you know, didn't treat people, other people, as they felt they should be treated. And I think we have to really be careful of, of making this assumption that if somebody is, is wealthy and has material uh, success, that they therefore must have got it by being, you know, by by unscrupulous unscrupulous (laughs) means and exploiting other people. Um, Yeah, sometimes that happens, but I think it'd be a huge mistake to label everyone who's got any, you know, net worth or any money into that category. I think that would be really unfair. Um, So, you know, sort of biblical references aside, um, this connection between materialism and money uh, and happiness is is really interesting. I've wrote I co-wrote a book um, with a good friend of mine called Todd Patkin uh, four years ago called Finding Happiness. And Todd is a really interesting guy. He had a family business, an auto parts business, um, which was sold for nearly a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he had a nice share of that. So wealthy by anyone's standards, but he was miserable. He was miserable. And part of the reason he was miserable is that what fired him up and what gave him his meaning each day, he was an incredible motivator at work. He was a real engager. He engaged the workforce. He, he, you know, he really loved them, and they loved him. And as soon as he stopped doing that, that's part of his meaning got out of his life. Yeah, he's got a nice chunk of change in the account, but, you know, um, not the same as And I think did. a lot of people experience that when they retire. <laughs> or, yes, they do. You know, oh that, my gosh, yes, they do. You know, living in Hilton Head, which you know does attract quite a lot of retirees. You know, in my practice, you know, I saw a lot of a lot of those people who came. You know, they ran all corporations, they ran organization organizations. They came to Hilton Head retire, and they're going to play golf every day. And after about three months, they're bored out of their brains, and they're just not feeling fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this, <laughs> and you're, you know, I just think at any age and stage that there's, that change happens and change is happening all the time, these things are really, really common and shared experiences. Moms who's, you know, and, and dads uh, whose kids leave home for yep. the first time, you know, and they're empty nesters. Like it's a real adjustment about, wow, it's like I had so much purpose and meaning when I was, um, you know, going to soccer games, even as kids transition into, you know, teenage years and you're letting go of making cookies and going to girl guides or, um, you know, hockey practice, uh, all the academic awards and things like that as the kids leave, uh, our, you know, sense of purpose, our mission on earth and the things that made us happy is constantly being redefined. <laughs> Yes, no, and, and sometimes because you haven't thought about that, you don't mm-hmm. realize it till it's happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like the empty nester reminding you or telling you how important parenting was for you. Right. right. 
Um, Or like retiring without you realizing, you know, various aspects, maybe not everyone, but various aspects of your job really spoke to your core and your meaning. And, And so... And so, you know, when you had said earlier, one of the things that we really encourage you to do is look at what is, what is the most meaningful, what are the most meaningful things in your life? Why are you, why are you really here? What do you really, what do you want your legacy to be? How do you want to be remembered? What do you want to do? And, um, you know, typically, I mean, of course, everyone would like to the concept of having money because it relieves us of financial stress and the burdens of financial stress, which frankly the majority of people have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the statistic is staggering that even in the U.S., you know, 80% of people couldn't put their hand on, you know, two grand for a car repair. Um, you know, right. most people do not have, most people do not, I mean, you know, most people don't have much more than living month to month. Yeah, there was and, a recently and so that is published yeah, there was a recently, um, I believe it was in August of this year, from PricewaterhouseCoopers, and they said that 50% of Canadians are one paycheck away from not being able to pay their monthly bills. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep, and I believe that, and I think part of it is um, the society in which we live, which is obviously all the time trying to get us to buy, 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 buy things. Um, Part of it is this notion that somehow money is going to make you happy, but it isn't. I realize lack of money doesn't make you happy either, but but money doesn't. And and it's that confusion. And if you say to people, well, what's your purpose this week? It's, well, make sure I get my my paycheck so I can pay. Well, that's, that's not really purpose, is it? I don't think. Why, you know, what would you do with the money? Um, mm-hmm. It's not purpose. It's not what is important to you. But that is a huge confusion. Uh, and I think that really impacts people's happiness and maybe even their self-confidence. Yes. And so, and so why it's so important for um, kids to get, uh, get under their uh, – or get on their own, like get their own feet under them young so that they can master that whole financial aspect – when they're quite young. And we have, um, my partner and I have a lot of kids between the two of us. And we, oh my gosh. Uh, you know, so the oldest kids and the youngest kids have learned very, very different ways of managing money and have seen us, you know, at different at times in our life. I mean, so, you know, as a young mom, I knew different things than I do now as a grandma. And, and uh, so the middle kids... I think it's like we have more skills as parents to teach them, okay, like what do you need besides a driver's license? <laughs> you know, you right. need your first mm-hmm. job, you need to get your first paycheck, you need to understand how important it is to work so that you can support yourself. And so parents um, that support their kids all the way along financially and don't build the competence in them, like the kids suffer for a long time because they don't ever figure out that lesson and and when we've talked about this numerous times, if you're struggling with finances, you cannot grow as a as a person because you're internally it's a wound. Like you need to fix the wound and get that um, that figured out in order to be able to tap into these other areas that you might want to look at, like legacy, um, spirituality, being a better person, you know, doing a better job at work, being a better parent. Uh, but w- when your focus is on strict survival, strictly on survival, it's very hard to do that. 
And I think a very important point is that each person, and that means each child too, has to find their own meaning. Has to find their own. If it's if they're doing something that is not their meaning, they won't be interested in. They won't do it very well. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've had numerous examples in my career where I've seen people, and these kids have been pushed into a track, and the parents say, "Well, you really doesn't seem to be into, you know, fill in the blank, scouts, college, right. what have you." Right. Uh, you know, maybe it's you know maybe he or she doesn't have the aptitude. Wrong. It's just that it does not mean anything to them. And typically, right. my experience, you put those people into activities that are meaningful to them, oh, suddenly they shine and they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, we, talk, we, so, we call that the manufactured kids. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, and and, and it's hard because… a checklist of things that they're supposed to accomplish at each, you know, gatepost in their life. And, and unless and until they do they're not, you know, quote-unquote good enough, um, you know, or they're not achieving enough. And, yeah, so we see that often. I see that in my coaching practice and in families all the time. And the parents have often been put through the same um, rigors, you know. So then at 35 or 40 years old, when they've got a house full of, you know, three or four kids and they're going, oh, I'm so dissatisfied with my career and I, and my spouse and I aren't talking and, you know, um, I don't feel like I have any reason to get up every day and be happy and contributing and, you know, and all of those things. So when you get them into, you know, coaching sessions, you find out very much that they, you know, at 18 years old went into university with an idea of, you know, making or, or university or even into the oil patch here is a very common uh, thing. And, you know, they turned out to be a welder, you know, 25 years later, they go, I haven't talked to anybody because I've been behind a mask for 25 years, and here they were the most outgoing kid at school, mm-hmm. you know, so, and it, because they were chasing money. And then they went, oh, well, money right. doesn't fill me up or, very much. Yeah, <laughs> different aspects of that job. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's right. And it's interesting, <laughs> it's interesting uh, how these things play out. A personal story, I think when I was in, in high school, and my parents did not have very much formal education at all. So they really didn't understand the education process. Um, and um, they could see that I was fairly smart, and they thought, well, if you go to college, um, you know, perhaps you know, accounting or law, which just for like two professions they happened to know anything about because um, they had an attorney or an accountant, um, you know, that's what you should do. And I wanted to be either a writer, really is what I wanted to be, and then later, because I came across a teacher who was very influential on me, introduced me to the concept of psychology. Um, and, and I suspect if I had gone into accounting or law, I would have been pretty miserable uh, and probably not had the careers in psychology and writing that I've had. And I think probably everyone can say that. Boy, you know, I was either fortunate that somebody led me into the right path, or boy, it just took me so long, too long, as you said, you know, you're in your mid-30s and you've got family and obligations. Now what do you do? And that's a challenge. So I think one of the most important things that a parent can do is give a child the skills, the confidence, um, the awareness of find out what are, what is important to you so that they can pursue that career. Um, Okay, we'll continue this discussion on the other side of Master Your Life. Thanks for joining us today as we continue to explore the relationship between self-concept, self-confidence, and happiness. 
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah, that's L-E-A-H-A, at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life, show that gives you insight, inspiration, and intelligence. Today, we're talking about self-confidence, competence, and the relationship to peace and happiness and all those good things. Uh, Before the break, I was talking about one of the most important things you can give your children is a sense of confidence so they can explore the things that are most meaningful to them. Leah, I'm sure you have lots of thoughts about that. Oh, yeah, tons, Howard. So my first um, professional gig was as a youth counselor for this rural isolated school division um, in Alberta. Canada. And um, part of, I think, what I saw through that experience and throughout my life and even on media now, I do think that there's lots and lots of parents who boost their kids' confidence a whole big bunch without the the child actually learning to be competent at things. So Mm -hmm. parents are almost instilling this false sense of ability in their kids. Mm -hmm. And it's undermining... It undermines them because it sets them up to be embarrassed when they can't do what the parent has said they can do. And, and so I see this with kids, but I also see it with adults. Uh, and in my executive coaching practice, one of the things that I was just most really took me aback, and this was very recently, is that I had some friends who are um, CEOs of oil companies, um, 
or clients, I should say. So their children are all, you know, 25 to, to 30 years old now. And so these kids have all taken pipe fitting, which is a trade here in Canada. And so to be a tradesman or a journeyman, you need to, you know, prove that you're competent at pipe fitting. And so these guys had take, taken their journeyman, uh, they had their journeyman tickets, and they they did. They went to the union hall, pulled a slip to go to a job up in uh, Fort McMurray here, which is like a huge oil oil uh, sand operation. And they got up there, and they were expected to fit pipe, and they couldn't. So the whole time, and that's what a pipe fitter is supposed to do. The whole time they had actually been going to school, they never learned to fit pipe. They only worked in a fabrication shop and got their hours and wrote the exams at school. So they both came home totally embarrassed that they couldn't actually do this job that they were supposed to be able to do. And, like, embarrassed them as, as young adult men. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Not good. And, and, and part of this is this culture of believing that anything that our kids do, we have to positively reinforce and go crazy over. You know, Carol Dweck, the Stanford psychologist who's, who's written a lot about learning education and, and particularly her groundbreaking book, Mindset, you know, her point is if, if you don't just praise your kid, even if they do something that's good. You don't say, oh my gosh, that's the most incredible thing. You say, hmm, that's pretty good. I wonder how it could be made better. In other words, you challenge your kids. You don't just praise them regardless. And there's two elements there. Is one is you don't want to reinforce incompetence <clears throat> and be unrealistic because the real world won't treat them as nicely as you are. Uh, and secondly, you want to challenge them. Yeah, okay, you can do that. Now let's see what else you can do, uh, which we know from a neuroscience point of view is the best way to challenge and learn. So I think you're absolutely right, and, and there's really a lot of work out there that reinforces that very importantly. Yes. Yeah, and, and I guess what's exciting about uh, that whole, the learning models is that as you, is the learning model for everybody is the same. You have an awareness that you didn't know something that you just didn't know. And then you go, oh, look, I didn't know that. (laughs) And then you need to learn it or you need to say, that's not part of my life. I don't need to learn anything to do with that. Um, But if you want to learn it, you need to go through the same process as a baby goes through when they learn to walk. You know, you have this awareness that you don't know something that seems like it would be important to learn. And then you're incompetent at it to start with as you start to practice the task. And you become more and more competent the more you practice it. And then eventually you don't even think about it. It's just something that you do that comes like as natural as breathing when you, you know, jump out of bed in the morning. So everybody has the ability to learn the things that they want to learn. Um, and I, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe that's, maybe that's painting things with too big a brush stroke. Maybe that's too positive psychology, woo-woo. But most, for most things, if people really want to learn something and hunker down to learn it, that they, that they can and I, and I would say almost certainly that's the case if it emotionally resonates with them rather than <laughs> as just an idea and has meaning for them, you know, at that emotional level. Uh, then people will find a way of learning about something. And it, and it may manifest itself a little differently because of different qualities and skill sets. Um, but if you've got something that you're that it really emotionally resonates, you're going to be engaged and you'll find ways of integrating it somehow into who you are. And that's why the meaning is so important. 
And so for people who are going, well, how do I figure that out? (laughs) I'm like, I come home every day from work and I am absolutely wiped out and just thinking about what the next thing is that I need to get through. Like, how how do we stop people for just a moment and and get them to think about doing, like, an exercise or, like, what would be something that would be able to help people to sort through what's important to them? How would they notice those things? Well, I I, I think part of it is that... If you said to somebody, if we, we asked our listeners, well, come on, what's important to you? What's meaningful in your life? I think a lot of them would be able to come up with things. I, you know, I'm sure some of them would say, boy, that's an interesting question. I never thought about that or really don't know. But I think a lot of people would say, well, it's, you know, it's being a parent. It's um, uh, being a good professionally in my career. It's, you know, those are the things that are important and meaningful to me. The problem is there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between that as a concept and that as something that infuses and influences everything you do and feel, right? Because uh, until you until that really emotionally resonates and you can see how important it is, it becomes a task just like every other task. And um, as a result, it, it, it loses some of its significance. I think I may have told you the story. Um, and it's one of my favorite stories, and, and it's about um, the three guys on the building site. Do you remember this? Tell it again. <laughs> tell, it, tell it again. The three guys on the building site. So you're passing a building site, and there are three guys working there. And you say to the first guy, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm just, I'm just building this wall here. And you say to the same guy, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm, I'm just mixing the cement. And the third guy is lugging bricks across the side. He said, well, what are you doing? He said, me? I'm building a cathedral. Mm-hmm. Okay? He is connected to the meaning of it, which makes the mundane task of lugging bricks across the side not just about lugging bricks. It's tied to something more significant. Now, you can't do that about everything that you do every minute of the day, but it is important to do it some of the time so that what you're doing now completely aligns and relates to what is your meaning and purpose. Without that, we're just going to be on a treadmill, which is what a lot of people feel. They're on a treadmill just doing, 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 and what's the point? Mm-hmm. Apart from, you know, paying the bills. Yes, very much so. One of the exercises I do with my clients that helps them, I think, to get out of that, like even to even people who think they know what it is that they value in their mm-hmm. day-to-day life, when they do this little exercise, they go, oh, man, I thought I valued that, but I can see I either don't value that or, or I need to, mm-hmm. like, figure out how I'm going to bring more of that into my life. So the exercise is pretty simple. You just write down you know, seven or eight things that you think are important to you. So spirituality, legacy, career, relationships, intimate relationships, health, and health can be broken down into two or three things, travel, adventure, you know, so you make this list of things. But you write them on little chits of paper, and then you line the paper up on the counter, and you put, the, you so you pick the first one, and you just say, okay, like travel. And then you pick the second one and go legacy, and just ask yourself the question, which is more important to me, travel or legacy? And if travel's more important, then legacy goes underneath. And then you select the next card. And you just keep working your way through, and pretty soon you've got this, and you just keep asking yourself, which is more important to me? And when you've got your list of things kind of running down your counter, you go, is that true, and how would I know it? And mm. if, you, if you put travel at the top of your list, and you haven't traveled anywhere in 10 years, you, it's, you need to 
look at that and go, is that the truth? Or do mm-hmm. I just value the right. idea of travel? Yes. And it really, it's not important to me at all because I have not put any energy into it. And so that helps people to get also into better alignment with what are the things that they actually really, truly value, or it helps them to go, I don't want this to be my number one value. I want this to change. And and then they can get excited about what it is they're going to do in terms of steps to um, get their vision and reality in alignment. But just like you pointed out, people are walking through, a lot of times it's completely numb. And so if you're numbed out in one area, you're normally numbed out in all of them. So you might have absolutely no awareness until you consciously, you know, do something in terms of an activity, um, like moving little cards around on a countertop to get yourself, um, like, jolted out of numbness, (laughs) I guess. Yeah, and I think that's a really good exercise. And certainly the question is, well, how much of this do I really do? If I say that I value this, but I haven't done it or I only do it very infrequently, what does that really say? I think that's a great reality check on, again, this concept. Yeah, it's great to have an idea, but what's the reality? Now, sometimes that may be a sort of huge aha moment is, boy, this is really important to me and I haven't done it in, you know, X (laughs) amount of time. Boy, I really need to change my priorities. Um, But I like that exercise in the sense that it really gets you to think of it and gives you a reality check against your current behavior. And then the question is, okay, how do you want to devote your resources, time, energy, and money Okay, um, to these important priorities because that's one of the things that happens. People don't look at spending money in relation to those priorities. They spend money typically because something comes up, they like it. But you know, spending two hundred and fifty dollars on you know whatever that outfit or whatever it is means that there's two hundred and fifty dollars less to spend on something that might be much more related to your meaning, like saving up for that big trip, if travel right. really is important. Yeah. And then the hangover, feeling bad about doing the thing that was not actually the thing you really wanted to do. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, or, or regretful. About that but in then... terms of redemption, right? <laughs> you know, I didn't really want to do that. Uh-oh, right? that was not what I really wanted to do. I really wanted to have that money to put aside for the trip. Um, or I didn't yeah. really want to spend all my time at the office. I wanted to spend time with my uh, grandchild this week, and right. I didn't. Right. Um, and if you're familiar with um, Bonnie Ware's book, you know, The Five Regrets of the Dying, mm-hmm. um, she, you know, she was a, a supportive caregiving nurse who took care of people who were dying and, and asked them about what are your regrets. You know, a lot of them were around relationships, not mm-hmm. being authentic, doing things that, that they thought other people wanted them to do rather than what they wanted to do. Well, there's an indictment on not knowing your meaning and purpose, right? Mm -hmm. If you look back at the end of your life and say, well, there's a lot of stuff I really didn't do because I was too busy thinking I should be doing something else. Right. How sad is that? Shooting on myself. (laughs) Well, you know. I I should have on myself again. (laughs) I should have been doing this. I should have been doing that. Or I'm mm -hmm. trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. I think that's another trap that people get caught in versus the, like, the concrete behavioral, like, a, a day-to-day things that move you closer to the things that are going to make you feel excellent. Um, and Carolyn Mace actually talked about um, uh, the whole idea of how do you know when you're doing something that actually lights you up 
And sometimes we get these biological responses to things that are really important to pay attention to when we're doing something that actually makes our soul happy. And so I can think of examples for me, which is like I often will get goosebumps. Like very often when I'm doing stuff that is absolutely on purpose, goosebumps are a really normal reaction. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so they're... for people to pay attention to that, even a little bit of something to wake them up and to enjoy the goosebump moments and go, what about that situation is speaking to me right now? That what is it that what it is about this opportunity or this thing that's happening that's making my physiology respond in a positive way? So it gets you out of your head where we get trapped in that binary brain of the, oh, I shouldn't do this, or I, you know, I'm trying to do this other stuff. It, it allows you to get past the thinking and into what's going on physiologically that's making you feel excited. Yeah, and I think that's really insightful. So, so along with actually thinking about this, it's also what you're really saying is feeling it too, because we do get physiological reminders um, and prompts and cues when we're doing things that are, uh, are related to and, and directly related to our meaning and purpose. When we do that, we probably feel great. Uh, we might get goosebumps, um, but there's a physiological change in us, and that is a, an awesome sign for us that we should pay attention to. That you know, it's a, our subconscious is telling something there. So, in the last minute we have, Leah, do you want to summarize or add anything else? Yeah, I think just a quick note to people about the it's like confidence, competence, happiness, how those things are all all connected, and and having really high self-respect can start out with just something really simple, like thinking the most positive thing about yourself every single morning when you first wake up, so that you're working on your self-respect from the moment that you wake up, and it doesn't have to be that you're like a physical, a 10, a beauty, it can just be that you're, um, you know, like a, a good human being stretching to be the best that they can be every day, and that you're content with yourself in the moment. Yeah, and I think that's that, I think that's right. I think that's very, very wise. Um, well, thank you again, Leah, for your contributions on the show today, yes, and thank you, uh, and hopefully we've stimulated our listeners to think about you know, all of these concepts and trying to be aligned with, identify, energize, and be aligned with the things that are meaningful to them. So, thank you again for listening to Master Your Life, and hopefully you'll tune in next time for our show. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.